श्री गोरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए so welcome again everyone this evening good evening a little earlier today huh is today what sunday saturday the same guru doesn't know everything <laughs> needs help to keep track here of things so tonight um tonight we have spoken thus far about the first four verses of the section of Chaitanya Charitamrita in which Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami seeks to explain his Bande Gurum, offer my respects to the gurus, the plurality of gurus. Three verses in Bengali and one uh, verse evidence from the universally, if we all accepted text, this instance, it was the Bhagavatam, Acharjamam Vijaniyan, he said. Uh, so now what follows in this section is a, a number of other Pramana verse. Pramana means evidence. So again, he makes his point in Bengali, and then he supports his point with evidence from other scriptures that are accepted by other lineages, other sects, and so forth. And he thus explains them from a Gaudiya perspective. This is, again, the forming of a new lineage, the time of the writing of this book, Anu Sampradaya. So other people accept the Bhagavatam as sacred evidence, a form of revelation. India has the older kind of school of, or, or body, I should say, of, of, of revelation. Revelation is often thought of in Western terms as the, the, the Christian revelation, the revelation of the Christ and, and uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament. But the Upanishads, they date back uh, some distance. And there is some, actually, interestingly enough, some kind of Similarity between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Upanishads and Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the New Testament of the Vedanta, actually. When the laws are kind of superseded by love, the, uh, uh, there are laws to bhakti in a sense. There are, uh, there are, there are parameters within which bhakti exists, there's some kind of, well, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the second one, huh? This, that one. We're fired up. We're smoking. There you go. There you go. Old stove, huh? Shall I continue? Yeah. So, there are parameters within which bhakti manifests. There's some math to the to the love, if you will. Um, it's again, it's a kind of a wise love. 
But the bhakti then and eligibility for that and treading the path frees one from so many other obligations, rules that you can find, for example, in the sacred texts of India about how humans should conduct themselves, all in consideration of how to show and develop gratitude for all that we have. Um, acknowledging the gods and the goddesses and the n- nature's bounty and uh, our necessities for, for light, for heat, for water and so on and so forth. Uh, so the bhakti school, if you will, the bhakti dispensation is taking us to another level of uh, connection with our source and so some of the other rules are superseded and comparatively we can say it's a it's a love doctrine that replaces the old laws. So it's analogous in some ways to the Old Testament and the New Testament where it's supposed to be a testament of love and the laws are overridden to some extent. I'm not that familiar with it all. But um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's this body of revelation, it's, it's the oldest form of revelation. The theology began in human society with Vedanta Sutra. Catholics came much later with that in uh, in Europe. Mm. So, just an interesting point in regards to Chaitanya Charitamrita and how it's constructed here. The Chaitanya Charitamrita is one of the seminal books of the Sampradaya the, that it's founded on the basis of. And uh, Kaviraj Goswami is writing in Bengali and citing then texts from other books that are universally accepted by other lineages and other sects and so forth, the Bhagavatam being one of them. Um, And he's going to quote Bhagavad Gita next. Well, in a couple of verses, Bhagavad Gita, quote Bhagavatam again, Bhagavad Gita, then Bhagavatam again. Then he's going to go to a more obscure text, but a very dear text to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Bilvamangal Thakur's Krishna Karnamrita, Krishna Karnamrita, this uh, the nectar ear, Karnamrita of uh, Krishna Katha, something like that is the implication. A book he found, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in South India, written by Lila Sukha, otherwise known as Bilba Mangala Thakur. And he's going to cite that as his last verse. So he cited one verse from Bhagavatam, Acharjamam Vijaniyam Uddhava, speaking to Krishna speaking to Uddhava, saying to Uddhava in the context of explaining Varnashram and a kind of a lower idea of guru, the, the, the guru, the Kula guru. And what did he say? This acharya, this teacher, the guru in the school that I'm, you should know, he represents me, so you should pay attention there. So he said, what to speak of that then? A guru who is uh, teaching uh, transcendental knowledge uh, exclusively, then so much more he'll be present there. Um, now he's going to quote another verse from Bhagavatam. Then he's going to quote the Gita, as I say. Then he's going to quote six verses from Bhagavatam. Then he's going to quote Lila Sukha's verse, a Mongol verse from his book, Krishna Karnamrita. And all these verses are cited uh, except for the next one for the same. Uh, reason to make a particular point, uh, to support a particular point, um, that point being that Krishna instructs from within. 
guru comes without and instructs, but Krishna is the real, the, 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 the guru, you want to say. He, he instructs from within. He comes without to instruct, outside also, but he instructs from within. He gives siksha from within. So before that, at any rate, then so we anyway. This that ends the ends the section on Guru Tattva. Then he segues into Bhakta Tattva, the truth about the devotees, and and uh, the truth. Then he'll go into the truth about the incarnations and the expansions and the Shakti Tattva and so forth, all in the context of explaining his first verse. But we're only dealing with the Guru Tattva, and very briefly, some of these verses, as we'll see, they're rather. Um, uh, full, if you will, of insight, Gaudiya insight, and very important. Uh, Kaviraj Goswami, he doesn't go into depth to explain them. Before we go to them, let's take the next verse, which is a little bit different. He just says from Bhagavatam, quoting Uddhava, that, oh, uh, Bhagwan, hmm? Uddhava speaking to Krishna now. In our last verse, Krishna spoke to Uddhava. He says, I'm unable to express, or, or not I, but learned poets, uh, kovis, naivopayanti apachitam apachitim kovayas tavesha. These kavis, kavis uh, learned people, he says, they are who know acquainted with, with truth, they, this is their feeling. Their feeling is that if they were endowed with a life of Brahma, that's a, we go to the cosmology of the, of the Bhagavat here, it's a long time, we leave it at that. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> it's not too far out when you look at the cosmology from Brian Greene's point of view and his mindful universe or whatever that latest book is called. And as I said, that seems to be the cutting edge uh, ideas about the universe that take us back to br- long lives of Brahma that are trillions of years old and the possibility of m- many dimensions and so forth. All of this within the material world. All of this in the realm of matter. What to speak then of the realm of consciousness if we are to be dualists and we are Categorically, in this sense, difference between consciousness and, and matter. <clears throat> he said, if they were endowed, these learned people, with a lifetime of Brahma, I don't know, what is his day is 4 million, is it 320,000, or is it trillion? Oh, there you go, okay. That's 400 and something times something, yeah. And he gets a hundred years and so many days. It's a, it's yeah, it's a big. It means it's a long time. It's said about this comes up again later in the book when he he begins to comment on his Asharad slok, his slok where he gives from his Mangalacharana blessing to the readers. May he enter your heart, he said. You know, like a lion into the cave of your heart and roar loudly there, bless you. 
he's come to give this uh, jewel, brightest jewel of bhakti rasa, and it's 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 like never been given before, or not for a long, long time. And then Kaviraj goes into, and Brahma's life is this long, and so forth. And once in the day of Brahma, and the idea on that is this is a rare thing. See, he's trying to get us to pay attention. This doesn't happen often. A rare opportunity has come your way. Take advantage of it. Something like that similarly is being said here in this verse. If these learned people had a lifetime of Brahma, this is how they feel. They could not in a lifetime, if they spent every moment of that lifetime uh, expressing their gratitude for what, what for to you, for your appearance in their heart as the Chaiti Guru and externally as the instructing guru or initiating guru, the Mahant, the external manifestation. They could not possibly um, do justice um, uh, to the opportunity that you afford them. So this is how these learned people, people with experience in this, actually feel. As I said, religion kind of begins with the gratitude and see the measure, you know, to, to, to do the Surya Namaskar, you know, to, in yoga, to bow to the sun in the morning. And this is all just the very beginning idea. What, where gratitude is taken in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, this is how they think. Hmm? If in a, I had a life of Brahma, I couldn't do justice to, you know, for the whole time I was trying to show my gratitude. This is the, how you feel as we advance in bhakti. I've given an example before that if you were in a forest and you were to fall in a, in a dry well, an old well, how would you get out? You go down, you know, like our well's 200 feet at Audaria. <laughs> it would be pretty hard to get out. So if you yell loud enough, perhaps somebody in the forest, good luck, might hear you. Hmm? And so if they do, then they come and they see her at the well, so they throw a rope down and they say, hold on to the rope and you know, I'll pull you out. So you hold on to the rope and they pull you out. Well, when you get to the top, you don't say, boy, I really shouted loud, didn't I? Boy, I really held on to that rope good, didn't I? You don't think like that. You think, you saved me. You know, you know, it's, uh, so there is some effort hmm, on our part, but if we understand the depth, if you will, of our predicament, hmm, and the necessity that we have for help to resolve the problem, hmm, then the effort is will be minimized in our mind to the point that that fellow doesn't even think that I, I held on to the rope. It's not even an issue. I mean, you laugh at it when you say it, hmm, when you bring it up. It's ridiculous. Nobody would think like that. Hmm. Nonetheless, effort was made. Now we make it an effort, but if we can focus on this, the, the, the good fortune of this kind of opportunity comes into our life, and Scripture is full of trying to you know, bring us to that point, then it becomes easy, the practice becomes easy. We see that we're doing nothing in comparison to the oppor- just the opportunity to engage in the practice <coughs> is overwhelmingly, uh, you know, uh, an overwhelming expression of grace and kindness. It has to do with understanding accurately the position of Bhagavan, the position of ourself. The closer we get to the infinite, Logically, the more finite we'll feel. The closer the finite comes to the infinite, the more its finiteness becomes apparent. Hmm? And 
in the context of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the closer the finite gets to the infinite, the smaller it feels. As it starts to feel small, which is its real position, Krishna makes himself small. That's Krishna. <laughs> He's small. They say medium size. <laughs> so that means he's not infinite, he's not finite, either end of the spectrum. In Gita, he's a, he's a lot bigger than the biggest, smaller than the smallest. But in Bhagavatam, Brahma says, appearing in medium size. Hmm? Medium size. Uh, without greatness. You know, to be the smallest thing. Once one of Prabhupada's disciples told him, he said, I think I'm the most of fallen. He said, you're not the most anything. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> so, so uh, he, he's the smallest. He's the biggest. Hmm? He had both ends of the spectrum, and everywhere in between, and he appears medium size, hmm? something like that. This is what Brahma says in his prayers to him in Brahmali Mohan Lila. Hmm? And he thinks that's very extraordinary. So, in other words, the more the finite comes closer to the infinite, well, if there is to be a closeness that really takes place, that infinite has to take on a finite-like appearance. Otherwise, we will kind of like slow down as we get smaller and smaller. Then we may think, oh my God, it's God. I'm in touch with the infinite. So this is infinite grace, isn't it? What was otherwise would be impossible for us to get close to the to the infinite without just feeling I'm, I don't belong here, so to speak. He makes it possible. So, he, in other words, we're feeling smaller and smaller and then he becomes small. <laughs> so, then we can feel big. We can say, who are you, Krishna? Hmm? As his friends push him over with a sense of equality, pranay, what a, um, or in other sentiments, they deal with him in ways that might seem inappropriate from by the Vaikuntha perspective, the reverential perspective on, on, on the Godhead. So, these kind of thoughts are very useful uh, uh, for us. It will make our practice easier. Hmm? We don't think about that, and, and we, the effort is, is we're concentrating on, and it seems difficult, and we may think we're not making much progress, but this is again not to look at it the whole picture. One of my godbrothers sat in front of Pujapachuda Marsh one afternoon on his friend and said, Grimrush, I think I'm not making any progress. He said, No progress? He said, You haven't made any progress. You thinking like that? Jalajanavalakshani, Stavarlakshavimshati, Krimayarudra, Sankyoki. He said he quoted this verse from the Puranas. It's a verse about a kind of a Kind of parallels evolution in some way. There are so many aquatics from the aquatics. There are so many um, reptiles from the reptile. There are so many birds, and from the bird there are so many animals, and then there are humans, and they're the smallest number of all the species. And he said, "You've gone through all this. Now you have human life, and you're thinking you're not making progress." I mean, he was being wasn't being like facetious. He was actually thinking. You really you thinking like? How can you think like? You have a human life, and you have a sadguru. Hmm? You're initiated by Swami Prabhupada, and he's the you know the jagat guru. And again, you're thinking you haven't made any progress. How is it possible? That, the devotee had, he was like a little embarrassed, like, 
wow, you know, I didn't think about all that, did I? I'm pretty, you know, I'm I'm going somewhere, you know. And where we've gone, hmm? how far we've gone to reach that point, as I often say, in comparison to the distance we have yet to travel, hmm? to complete our endless journey, is far greater. That distance is far greater. From this point on, it's a very short distance, comparatively. We need that perspective. Hmm? We may go like this, up and down in our progress, but it's like going to the Himalayas, through the foothills. The downs are also up uh, as we gradually, gradually go to the highest peak. Hmm? Keep good company. Hmm? Help us appreciate what we're doing, what we're involved in. We can lose sight of that, and the effort will seem, oh, is it worth it? I'm not, am I getting anywhere? You may wonder. This is a big thing. So the guru is satisfied to see, oh, that foundational stone is in place. I'm satisfied. As the, the building will go up on that in due course of time. And someone who can see from a distance of lifetimes and feel, oh, I know you from before. Hmm. I have to deal with you in this way. That, that kind of a person, and uh, we should try to imbibe that kind of patience and broader vision and so forth. And, and uh, this will help us to remain encouraged. So a nice verse. Hmm? It's helpful. Hmm? He says, this is not sentimental foolish people, but the coveys, learned people, they feel like this. They actually feel this. What a good fortune has come. Bhagwan appears in two ways. He appears in my heart, and it was... And I was so distracted from my own heart, as I said in the passing days. Hmm? A heart means heart means giver. That's what heart is, right? A heart is a is where love comes from. So it's a, we're distanced from our heart because we're takers. We're distanced from our own heart. Hmm? We're predisposed towards taking, exploiting because we feel we have necessities due to identification with. Matter, which doesn't endure, we think we may not endure, we have to do something to try to endure, and struggle for existence is, is born by such identification. So it's understandable that we are you know, predisposed in that way. And all we're being told is, you're a lover, you're a giver. You have so much even to give yourself. You never die. You have nothing to worry about. You're saying, you sure about that? We have some doubt about that. Don't doubt it. In fact, validate that. This is what spiritual practice is about. Hmm? You get some confidence. And it should be noted that confidence is different from pride. Sometimes we have to speak with confidence if we have it. Hmm? Prabhupada was very confident and he would say, and we are doing so many things. and so, So confidence is actually concomitant to humility. Mahaprabhu said, Trinata Pisunichena, who one who's humble like a blade of grass, Kirtaniya Sadhari, he has confidence. He's steady. He will not be blown over by any other argument or his practice or her practice will never be interrupted. So confidence goes with humility. It's an interesting idea. Confidence, pride is another thing. That is a the antithesis of, of humility. So, anyway, this is the ne- this is his next verse, and it's useful for us, as I say, to think about uh, 
what Uddhava said. Uddhava, of course, is, is Shastravit. He is the uh, he is the advisor of Krishna in Dwaraka. Krishna is God, but he has an advisor. Hmm? He will ask Uddhava his opinion. Uddhava will say, my God, you're omniscient, and still you ask me these questions. That is extraordinary. Where am I? Hmm? Who are you? What can be said about you? Uddhava speaks like this. Hmm? In Dwaraka, where Krishna is, plays the lila of a prince, sometimes he shows four arms, sometimes two arms. It means that the devotees in that realm, they know that he's God. That's really far out. I mean, they know that he's God, and still he acts ordinary sometimes. Hmm? So Uddhava's bewilderment. I know you're God. You know everything. Still, you ask me these questions. All right. Anyway, here's my advice to you, and and so forth. In Vrindavan, the, it's just the opposite. Hmm? There, in in Dwarka, there's knowledge of Krishna's godhood, hmm? in his omniscience, and there's some sweetness also. Hmm? Although we know your omniscience, still you ask us these questions. That's very charming. In other words, that's sweet. In the Vrindavan, it's the opposite there. There's so much sweetness. He's completely omniscient too, but the sweetness co- covers it over almost. They don't even know he's God. It's just all sweetness, practically. If he shows himself to be God in some ways, as he does in the Prakat, the manifest Leela, it only increases their sweetness. They don't think when Krishna tries to lift the Govardhan hill and the cowherds put their sticks up there to help him. Right? I mean, it's absurd, right? <laughs> It's absurd. <laughs> this is love. So, <clears throat> Uddhava is a learned person. Uddhava was the person who was selected to go from, uh, the first person, from Mathura to Vrindavan to bring a message to the inhabitants there, Nanda Maharaj and, and Gopis in particular, hmm? because he was such a learned person. He thought... Uh, he could do well in counseling them. Of course, he arrived in Vrindavan, he spoke to the gopis, and they were crying. And you know what do you say to a person who's crying? Take it easy, give them some philosophy. It'll pay, all things will pass. It's not as bad as you think. <laughs> I, I mean, I was in uh, sixth grade when I had my first girlfriend. I haven't had too many. So. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> Sixth grade, and and something happened. You know, it didn't work out. So there I was crying, and that was my first experience of philosophy. My mother came and started to give me a bigger picture. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You, know, you get the bigger picture, and then these emotional problems, how small they actually are, comes into pers- perspective, and they can be dealt, dealt with. Hmm? So Uddhava, this is, he thought, well, what well, I do? I, I give them some philosophy. Hmm? Why are you weeping? God is everywhere. And then, they, but he started to think they're, they're weeping <laughs> because they're attached to Krishna. That's the whole goal: is to be attached to Krishna. I, so he became bewildered. How do I preach to them? What do I say to them? Give up Krishna. Krishna will pass. <laughs> you know. So the measure of their love was the lesson that he was sent to learn, ostensibly in the context of him going to teach the gopis a lesson. Anyway, point here is that Uddhava is making this statement about learned people whom he thinks is learned and he is the learned counselor of Krishna. 
So this is just to underscore the point. Hmm? People who know feel such gratitude to um, Bhagawan for his appearance as Sri Gurudev in their lives. Hmm? Then I want to just speak a little briefly from these verses and um, and open up the discussion for questions. I mentioned that the a number of these verses are very significant, but Kaviraj Goswami cites them here only apparently for one purpose. They're all verses, one from Gita and six from the Bhagavatam, followed by Lila Sukha's verse. Uh, these uh, are uh, the six from the Bhagavatam, the one from the Gita, the next one, are all verses that seek to provide evidence for his point hmm, that the guru within the original guru, if you will, is Krishna. Krishna is the one guru is one, appearing in a number of forms. Hmm, hmm, um, and that guru within is uh, instructs the disciple by coming without, or from within he instructs that he is the original instructor guru, he wants to say. The source, the fountainhead of all instructions that the gurus give is Krishna himself, hmm? residing in the heart. So he quotes Bhagavatam, he quotes the Gita from the Chattushlok with Vishnu, Chakravitaka said of the four like essential verses of the Gita. I have some affinity for those verses. It, I was when I joined the mission. If I, if you, if I may indulge, if you'll indulge me, <laughs> I joined the mission in, uh, in uh, in Santa Cruz, in the mountains of Santa Cruz Mountains of California. Um, like everybody, it's a long and interesting story. But um, there was a traveling group of brahmacharis there that uh, I joined up with, and they rented a house, and so. They wanted to keep people like me busy while they went out and did more important things. So they, they said, take the Bhagavad Gita and write verses down and then put them on the wall everywhere. Hmm. So there's myself and a couple other devotees. That was our engagement for the day. You know. And I could only come up with four verses that I thought were like important to put on the wall. And these are the four verses, or the nutshell verses of the Bhagavad Gita. My god sister told me that. She, she remembered that and thought it was... Uh, so I have some affinity for them. They're beautiful verses. Pujapada Sridhar they were the centerpiece, really, of his Gita commentary, and they are the place in the Gita where Krishna reaches, uh, so to speak, to the, the, the pinnacle of bhakti is, is, is touched on. Hmm? This is right after the ninth chapter of the Gita, where Krishna becomes so emotional about bhakti. He gives the conclusion early in the ninth chapter, only to reiterate it again in the eighteenth chapter. And he goes on, overflowing into the 10th chapter for a few verses before Arjuna has to kind of bring him back to reality and remind him, you know, you're supposed to be speaking about you know, other things here. And that's uh, <laughs> like way out there. You know, you're going, you're drifting to, the, you know, to, to your, your own reality of your love for, for gopis and Vrindavan and so forth. And you're supposed to be the statesman now on the Bhagavad Gita speaking Upanishadic language and wisdom and so forth. You're losing it, mm. kind of. Mm. He's just moved by, by bhakti. He gets really emotional at the end of the ninth chapter. So as I say, it overflows here. And these are the verses uh, largely that from which our acharyas have, have shown that 
This, this Krishna is, in the Gita, is also pointing in that direction. This is the furthest reach of the Gita. It wants to take us to Vrindavan. Hmm? So, here he quotes one of those verses. It also happens to be the first Gita verse I learned. Hmm? It was one of the four. I didn't learn it that day, but many years later, well, a couple of years later, actually, we were at the Rathiatra, and maybe 1973, in Los Angeles or in uh, in San Francisco, and my gobbler, the Ramaswar, told me that it was really blissful to chant verses. You know, you get a verse and you chant it and learn it and so forth. So I thought I'll try that. You know, that sounds like a good idea. So we were riding back, I think, in in the car, and I, this is the verse I opened to, memorized it, and it happens to be a verse that Prabhupada quoted to me once, also. Mm in a conversation many years later. It's a very important verse, and I'm making this point because, and as are the subsequent following six verses from the Bhagavatam, this is a verse from the essential four verses as Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur thought of them of the Gita, and the next six are two introductory, and then the four essential verses of the Bhagavatam that the whole Bhagavatam is said to expand from. So he's placed these verses here without going into them, explaining them, simply ostensibly for the purpose of supporting his point that the Lord is the original instructor from within the heart, which they do say. But they say so much more as well. So it's always curious for me to think, gosh, he's put these verses here, and they're so deep and meaningful. They have such significance to the overall siddhanta or scriptural conclusions of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he just used them for such a sparse way, so to speak, without going into detail, but when I was going over it, in, in, I'm writing a commentary on this section, and uh, it struck me that, oh, he, he see what he's doing here, I mean, he, he's, this, is, this is so much shiksha here is there, contained in it, he wants to like, give a preview of all that's you know, to, to, to come, the whole siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnava is found in these four slokas of the Bhagavatam, these four slokas of the Gita, one of which he, he, he quotes and so forth, he wants to kind of say, and this Krishna is the guru within, and this is the kind of thing that he wants to say to you. Hmm? So if you want Krishna to speak to you, or you want the guru to speak to you, or everybody wants to talk to the guru, he's interested in these things. These are the things he's interested in. Hmm? These are the things that she should be an expert in. This is his or her field. Not how to get a job, or what should I do with my kids, or, I mean... Anybody can give advice on those things, but don't count on it, you know, that it, that it will be uh, uh, the absolute truth. But we should at least be able to count on our guru for getting the siddhanta hmm? of Gaudiya Vaishnava, what we've come to learn, what he is the professor of. Hmm? And that should answer all questions. That should satisfy the self. Hmm? Answers to end all questions, something like that. That's what these verses are about. So he kind of wants to say to us, Krishna is the original instructor. This is what he's interested in. Become interested in this. You need to have a conversation with Krishna. Hmm? We would like the deity to talk to us, but if he did, we'd be in trouble because we have so many desires and he would keep us so busy we would have no time. Hmm? Therefore, Prabhupada said, yes, the deity speaks, but not the nonsense people or disciples. And if the deity started speaking to us, he'd make it hot. Like that. You brought the rice, it's cold. Hmm? Bring more butter. Hmm? 
more sweets. Uh, sing something. You know, he's, he's the supreme enjoyer, right? So he can keep us very occupied. Is the idea? That's his kindness that he. Prabhupada said he comes in a form that we can handle. He doesn't speak that much. Because hmm? uh, if he does, then that's a problem for us. Hmm? So gradually, gradually, he takes away our desires. Then he'll speak to us. When we become interested in these topics, hmm? I mean, this topic is here. Tesham, he says. Satatayuktanam bhajatam pritipuvakam dhami budiyogam tam yenamam upayantite. You know, I do that phone call once a week that the devotees get on and the questions, and it's always nice to know the devotees are reading and, you know, they have questions based on the teachings and understanding them and so forth. I try to give answers to any question, but when they're actually studying, I think, oh, that's nice. Hmm? This is this is what we want. Hmm? So this is the, this is the kind of thing that uh, that uh, Gurudev is interested in. This is the kind of thing he wants to talk about, or she wants to talk about. What does Krishna said here? Well, the basic point that Kabiraj Goswami se- seeks to support: Tesham satatayuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam dadami buddhi yogam. I give Krishna says the knowledge to those who are always worshiping me, who love me, by which they can. Come to me. So he's saying that generally speaking, Krishna is in the heart. He gives the knowledge by which they can come. He, this is what he, it comes from him. It, it, we can't go there on our own. If God wants us to know, we can know. He speaks out. He gives the buddhi yoga. Dadami buddhi yogam tam. Yenamam upayantite, by which I can come to them. So just to as I say, use this verse to make that point. I think we think, oh, it's such a nice verse. So many things are being said there. Hmm? So we should explore some of the things that are being said there to see what is really the, the preoccupation of Kaviraj Goswami, what is the preoccupation of of, of the guru in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so forth. Hmm? Pujapatrita Maharaj made a nice point on this in his um, commentary. As I said, he made the four... Essential verses of the Gita, the centerpiece of his um, Bhagavad Gita commentary. Hmm? Here, Krishna says he brings up an apparent contradiction in the verse. Krishna says, "Tesham satata yuktanam." Those who are satata yuktanam, always connected with me hmm? in yoga, means hmm? yukta yuj yog comes from this root. To connect, they're always connected with me. In yoga, means in a in a in a wise way. Yoga is a is a, is a wise kind of love, as I've said. So they're always connected with me. Hmm? He goes on a little further. He says that satatam tesham satatam yuktam bhajatam priti puvakam. He kind of defines the yoga by which they're always in touch with me. Bhajatam priti purvakam. They're always fully uh, uh, loving me. Priti means love. This is a very uh, favorite word in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Priti, prem. These are words that Gaudiyas have very much latched onto that we don't find in other lineages, even Vaishnav lineages. They speak of mukti, like most other even non-Vaishnav lineages, as the goal and our goal, our prayogen is prem, prem prayogen. Prem means 
love. Priti means love. Jiva Goswami wrote an entire treatise, Priti Sandarbha. Hmm? There he, he analyzed the nature of lo- divine love in, in great detail, hmm? as is also analyzed in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, but a little differently there in Priti Sandarbha. This is kind of where Gaudiya Vaishnavism excels in, a, in, in, in discussion of post-liberated life, the nature of life within transcendence, rather than the nature of life freed from material bondage. How much did I say about spiritual life there? You understand? Transcendence of salvation, liberation, mukti, hmm? to become free from karma. I've talked about getting free from a, from a false life, but I haven't said much about actual life, the possibilities that lie within consciousness. Is it just a stillness forever? That wouldn't be bad, considering the kind of movement we're engaged in now, oppressive movement under the influence of the mind and the senses. It doesn't make any sense, really. We're moving in a, in a, in a, largely in a circular way and thinking we're maybe so, so meaningful of our human activities. And we've talked about how small this is the earth and, and humanity and so forth. But Gaudiya Vaishnavism kind of excels after that in descriptions of the nature of the possibilities of, of, of love with, uh, with the Absolute. So, Priti, Priti Sandarbha, here the word is used, Priti Purvakam, Bajatam Priti Purvakam, they're full of love for me. This is the nature of the yoga by which they're constantly connected with me. They're doing this bhajan, means inner life, full of love with me, always connected with me. I give them knowledge by which they can come to me. You see the contradiction. They're always with you. They're loved by They're connected with you by love. They could never forget you. You could never forget them. That's a fact. In his, in his, in his, um, this came up, the devotee asked me something about this today. In his, Commentary on Govinda Basham of Vedanta Sutra at the end, Anabrati Shabdaha, Anabrati Shabdaha, he says. And going there, one never returns. Go, go, no return, no return. We've talked about something with finality here. There's no return, there's no return. The book's about, the fourth, fourth Adhyaya, the fourth chapter is about attainment of the goal. In the sutras, Vedanta Sutra, so it's it's briefer than the others, but it ends with this. And going there, the shabda, the sound, the scripture says, this is the conclusion of the scripture. There no return from there. No one comes back. Hmm? No one comes back to the smallness of the mind, and this and the petty life of the senses. From that place, no return, no return. He says it twice. To underscore the point, and in this, co- this is the sutra, and in the commentary, Baladev, Argodia, Vedanta, Acharya, he says, even if a soul wanted to leave there, Krishna wouldn't, couldn't, couldn't live with him leaving. Hmm? <laughs> Such is the nature of this uh, satatam, yuktanam, like this union between them. Absolutely no possibility, you know. This idea is out and about sometimes about 
where the jiva comes from. It's actually answered very nicely in the Bhagavatam. If you look in the seventh canto where the story of the Jai and the Vijay who fell from Vaikuntha comes up for a second time, it appears for the first time in the third canto. In the second, in the seventh canto, Yudhisthira Maharaj asks Narad some questions. They're talking about whether the Lord is partial or not. He shouldn't be. He should be equally disposed towards everyone and so forth. It's an interesting discussion in that regard. And towards the end of the chapter, um, this story of Jaya and Vijaya is introduced. And Yudhisthira Maharaj says, he, he's reeling at this point. Narada is speaking. He's reeling. He says, I, I want to know, how is it possible? It seems to me, I cannot believe, he says, I cannot believe. It is unbelievable to me, he said, that someone in Vaikuntha, a, a Hari, a Hari John, a person of, of Hari, a Hari Das, in Vaikuntha, in, in the Parabhyom, who's attained that ideal, that, that, that there's any influence that could cause them to, 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 to fall from that place. They ostensibly fell because of the curse of the Kumaras. He said, this does not make any sense. Hmm? Obviously, there's no cause from within there. Hmm? Uh, there there's no, there could be no cause from He says, my mind is really, I cannot believe that. It's possible. It appears from the story that that's the case, but it can't be. Hmm? This is Yudhisthira Marsh's thinking. And Nara doesn't go on to say, yes, it can. No, he, he agrees. No, it's not, it's not possible. Yeah, you're right. He says, he says, as it is explained earlier in the third canto, by, in the commentaries by the um, Purvacharyas, the previous Acharyas, oh, this is, uh, what is it? Sambrahma Yogena. It's a kind of yoga. Krishna wanted to fight. Hmm? <laughs> this is called Virarasa. Not iron, Virarasa. It's a chivalrous, 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 chivalrous rasam. So he wanted to taste that. Now Krishna fights with so many demons, so what's the problem? The problem is they're not devotees. So there's no rasam there. Rasa means anukulena, Krishna anushiranam. Favorable. Hmm? Favorable. They are not rendering service favorably. Mother Yashoda is favorably tying Krishna up and chastising him. Oh, and he's feeling so much vatsalya from that. Hmm? So much vatsalya gopi bhav from, from her. Hmm? Big, important leela hmm? in Bhagavatam. So with, with those who are inimical, that Krishna, and, and who's doing that? They said the Vishnu and Krishna is slaying the, the demonic qualities of people and others. Krishna is just loving. That's all he does. Vishnu is a partial manifestation of Krishna who deals with justice. And Krishna is all mercy. He has nothing to do with justice. Hmm? Justice has to be there for there to be mercy, right? Because mercy is the overriding of justice. So Vishnu, the witness, he, 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 he's just and you get your due reward and so forth. This, this aspect this of the Godhead must be there for there to be a, a merciful if it's all mercy, then there, what is it? Again, it's an overriding of justice. You know, I told a story once before. I, a godbrother of mine came and he had had some problems with um, 
substance abuse and he had gotten in trouble with the police and he came and he had a court date looming and he came to my ashram and I helped him and and helped get him back on track and so forth and he was doing well and the court date came and so he was maybe going to go to jail so I said I'll go with you I'll see what happens you know so we went and there I was there in my sannyasa attire you know like dressed like this and sitting in the lawyer he had just a public defendant who who, you know, looked like he'd stayed up all night last night, could care less about the case, you know, and, and, and the other lawyer was, uh, the prosecutor was pushing to have him incarcerated and, and so forth, and uh, I don't think, it, it might not have even been his first offense. And so the judge was listening to the prosecutor's argument, and then the other fellow, like I said, looked like he needed a night's sleep or something like that. He didn't really have anything to say to defend him, you know. He didn't care. He was a public defender. Some of them do, and I, I suppose, but he didn't. And so the judge, you know, he noticed me there, and, and this devotee was had a shaved head too. And so the judge said, "So okay, well, that's all the everything's been, you know, evidence has been put forward. Does anybody else have anything that they want to say?" You know, so he gave me a chance to talk. I guess so. Yeah. So I got up and I said, "Your Honor, you know, I think the prosecutor has made a very good case. You know." This guy's, you know, guilty, and, and it's not the first time, and uh, and so on. And I, you know, went on about that. And then I said, but you know, in the last few months, he's been living with me, and this is who I am, and so forth. And I think that there's this there's a case where, you know, uh, mercy is the most just thing to do. override overriding you know, justice. There are instances, and I feel that this is an instance where mercy should override the justice. Although I justly I agree with the prosecutor. <laughs> that was my angle because the other guy didn't have anything to say so I thought, well no use trying to defend him and the judge said alright so we put him in your care and that was it the case was dismissed so, well, nice story so so there's a place anyway for that and this is in, in the- theologically speaking that is Krishna's place hmm? that's what he represents hmm? So when he fights at his play, he likes to fight with his friends. There, this is called yudavira. Hmm? Yeah, different types of virya, but virya But anyway, in uh, in Vaikuntha, Narayan, who can he fight with? Everybody's Om Narayan, Om Narayan. So this uh, mock fighting, you know, he he had a desire for that. Hmm? He had to do it with his devotees. So Jai and Vito, an arrangement was made by Narayan that the, the many things are accomplished by by the Godhead at one time. The sages were brought, hmm? in their heart, they were inspired to come to Vaikuntha to question what that was. They weren't allowed in the gates, which was appropriate. They cursed the other people out of their misunderstanding, the gatekeepers. and It's a very complex leela, and it appears twice in the Bhagavatam, so it's pretty significant. But it's there, in one sense, as Yudhisthira is asking, to make the point that no one falls from Vaikuntha. They fell down because Narayan wanted to have rasa with uh, with uh, with his devotees. He couldn't do it in Vaikuntham, so he wanted to avatar or descend, and he did so in three successive um, descents and fought with them, as the Bhagavatam records, in three different lifetimes. And then he came ultimately in the third time as Krishna. Hmm? And what did Krishna do? He liberated them. Hmm? It's said by Jiva Goswami, he shows with good evidence, when the other avatars slay the demons, they don't get liberated. Only when Krishna slays them, they get liberated. This is a speciality. Hmm? Again, 
his uh, the personification of mercy. So who represents him? As Prabhupada said that morning, I mentioned this morning, I heard he is the Kripa avatar. They're actually the descent, the full-bodied descent of Krishna's mercy. There's another point in this regard worth making. Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur explains, well, here's Krishna absorbed in rasam and so forth. He's just love personified. He has no experience of suffering. Hmm? But his devotees in this world who perfect themselves, they have experience of the suffering of others. You know, it's much easier to, if not only possible, to have empathy for those who you, you know, have some experience of the of their suffering. Hmm? Some experience. The more experience you have, the more readily one you're able to identify with that. So, the, these 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 such devotees, sadhus, gurus, advanced Vaishnavas, these are the people through which Krishna's kripa, his his mercy, is expressed in the world. Hmm? They are more disposed. They have experience. It's like a dream. Oh yeah, I know that life that was miserable. Hmm? Other people are experiencing that, so they have this kind of compassion. Hmm? So Krishna, hmm, hmm, he's this uh, the the, the uh, all merciful. Only the Vishnu in him does the does the does the slaying. Hmm? No one else. Hmm? Um, he is in this compact of love with his devotees, and in the commentary on the previous verse, well, well, we're on this verse. I'll stick with it. Uh, I was quoting Baladev Vijayabhusan in his Gubindabhasham. He helps us to appreciate the point. Even if someone wanted to leave from there. The Godhead could never let him go. I mean, the extent to which Krishna loves the Jiva is overwhelmed by the love of the Jiva and, and Bhakti and love. So, in a compact of love, it's spoken here. Teshtam satatayuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam. Bhajatam priti purvakam. Priti means love, puram, full. Bhajatam. In the, in, in the inner life, bhajan, of yogam. This Sambrahma Yoga means they came, he came to fight this Virarasa. So, so anyway, he's only absorbed in this love with his devotees. That's all he does, especially Krishna. So here they are. Now there's a contradiction apparently in the verse. If we just translate it in a very superficial way, a very general way, it says, oh well, they're devotees, they they're they they're they're always serving serving Krishna. They they have love for him. He gives the knowledge by which they can come to him. Hmm? But see how the Godias have dealt with this verse. They said this doesn't make any sense. The verse is talking about what was the previous verse? Ramanticha, Tushyanticha, Ramanticha. Hmm? He's talking about Tushyanticha, Ramanticha, Sambandanuga. Hmm. Bhakti, Kamanuga Bhakti. Hmm. These were Tushanti, Ramanti. Hmm. What is the whole verse? Achita Madkata Prana Bodayantas Prasparam Katayantas Chamam Nityam Tushanticha Ramanticha Machita Madkata Prana Machita. They're Chitta. 
It's not chitta vritta nirodha. Chitta vritti nirodha. All the vrittis, hmm? there's bhakti vritti in their mind. Vritti is like a wave in the, in the, in the mind of the, the ocean of the mind, if you will. We have all these vrittis. We've identified with material objects and they're causing waves in the mind, like emotional waves and it forms a certain construct and, uh, and so this is all problematic. Yoga seeks to like, put the sea at rest. Put the sea at rest. And you could think, oh God, that would be peaceful. Yes. Quiet the mind. Sit peacefully. No thought. Hmm? So there's a, there's the effort then to, to withdraw ourself from our ex, having extended ourself into things and identified with them. Those things are always changing. So they're always problematic. I've identified with this thing. Now it's, was here today, but it's gone tomorrow. Where am I? And, of course, as I said the other night, it's we that is important that are important. In other, in other words, what makes a thing important to us is our sense that it's ours, which means we've entered into it. We've extended ourselves into it by the word "my." It's my car, so it's important to me. Hmm? But why is it? Why your car? Why is it? Why is this car important, not the other? Just because you are in it. You understand? You've identified with it. You're attached to it. So what's important is you. If you come out of it, the car is not important. So the things that we are identified with, we are, we've ex- consciousness that's ex- that we are, the unit of consciousness, has extended itself into the things. And we think the things are important. But the only reason they have any importance is because we're in them. You understand? It's consciousness what's important. So the yoga is, well, let's withdraw from all these things. The best things in life are not things. Hmm. It's us. It's not the, the, it's the experiencer is more vital than the experienced. <laughs> the latter depends on the former. Hmm? And what if it experiences, why not experience itself fully rather than things which cause itself to be obscured? Hmm? You follow? These attachments are obscuring our possibilities. Yeah. consciousness attached to matter is like water frozen over. What are the possibilities? What can you do with ice? Cool water? What can you do with water? So many things. Huh? You can drink, you can swim, you can bathe, you can make electricity. Hmm? Hmm? Agua, vida. Pura vida. <laughs> yeah. Water is life. Huh? Huh? Isn't it? Jalaja Navalakshani, science would tell us that. You can find life in water. Is there water on the moon? There's water on the moon, apparently. I think Mars, too. Well, it's everywhere. Things are changing. Or they're not changing. Our thinking is changing. Yeah? Hmm. So, yes, things are not important. As we that is important. So if we were to explore the possibilities of the self, of consciousness, to focus on this is the yoga idea. So to, to the basic idea Chitta Bhitti Nirodha. And the best means Ishwar Pranidhan. This is Yoga Sutra. Ishwar Pranidhan. This is the best means. It's mentioned four or five maybe four times in Yoga Sutra. Ishwar Pranidhan means means worship of God. Mm. So 
at any rate, this 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 idea comes to such a pitch here in bhakti that we can say, yes, chitta niroda, to stop these waves is one thing, but we want to create another wave, a tsunami in the mind. Bhakti riti udai, let the, let the awaken in the mind, the tsunami, the tidal wave of bhakti. Hmm? Now we the this this mind is focused on Bhagwan. Hmm? And Bhagwan is not still. Brahman is still, but Bhagwan is not still. Hmm? Brahman is being. Being. The jnanis, they want to be. It looks like we don't be. We might not be. <laughs> and therefore we're very busy trying to be. Hmm? But we're trying to be something we can't be. We be, regardless of that. Hmm? And so it's so, it, it would be so, so relieving if we could just be without having to worry about being that, 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 that would be the, that's the bliss of Brahman. Hmm? And that's the knowledge of Brahman also, if you will. Hmm? I know that I be, and it feels good. <laughs> this is, many, many people want this as the goal, and it seems pretty good compared to our present situation. Hmm? But Bhagwan, that is another idea. Hmm? Brahman primarily represents the being aspect, a moment in the life of the Absolute. God bees. God knows, and God is ecstasy. He, he lives, he exists, God exists, the Absolute exists, and know, and is cognizant of this, the fact that, that, it, that it exists, and there's a purpose for that existence. Does that mean he has something to accomplish? Has a purpose? No. The purpose is joy. This is the no purpose purpose. Is love, living a loving life, not a purposeful life? Yes, no, in a sense, right? <laughs> One who lives in love has nothing to accomplish, but, 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 but to continue to pursue the love. And what are the depths of that? Hmm? I mean, how many of you here are in a relationship for a long time? Raise your hand. Hmm? Isn't it amazing how much you get to know a person after five years, six years, ten years, forty years? Still figuring them out. Hmm? <laughs> He's still amazed, like, no, that's what he's like. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, this is the idea of Bhagwan, when the Godhead takes the form of, 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 of uh, uh, he, he's, Krishna is God. He's so much overwhelmed by, by the bliss, if you will, of love, hmm? that he doesn't, wonders if he bees sometimes, and, <laughs> and wonders what he knows. Krishna is God in an existential crisis, actually. Hmm? He's so much overwhelmed by the bhakti hmm? that his own position as the king of love comes into question. The love that he sees from his devotees exceeds the love that he has. He, 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 he can taste sugar is sweet, but it cannot taste itself. By manifesting as Radha and so many devotees, then he can taste himself in relation to them. Hmm? So this idea is given here in its nutshell verses, if you will, of, of, of the Gita. This is what it's about. Such a, you can see, you think, he only used the verse to say that Krishna gives instruction from within the heart. Hmm? He gave it for another reason here. To give us like some idea of what is the subject of Gaudi Vaishnavism? What are the subject that these gurus will, are interested in? This kind of thing. Machita, madgata prana, machita. They're, they're chitta. Hmm? This chitta, this this kind of, it's a yogic term that has no real English translation. It's that it's the, the our 
like intelligibility, our 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 capacity to uh, to know the citta. We and we are knowing by identify things by identifying with them to some extent, but we're actually the, that kind of knowing is a, is a kind of ignorance. Anyway, to become free from that, they put mud chitta. They put me on their chitta. They have got a tsunami weight riti in the mind of bhakti. This kind of devotee, mud chitta, mud gata prana. Hmm? I'm their whole consciousness entirely. I'm their whole pran. Pran means like the life air. Hmm? This idea, some kind of vitalism. Hmm? That's cool. It's, uh, we we believe in it. It's a pra- yes, they, I am their pran. Hmm? Uh, I am their chitta, mudchitta, mudgatapana, bodayantas paras param. And amongst one another, what do they do? They 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 they, they enlighten one another about me forever. They talk back and forth about me. This is what they do, and this keeps them up at night. Hmm? Bodayantas parasparam tushyan manchita madgatapana bodayantas parasparam katayantas chamam nityam. They always in, mutually enlighten one another. That's what we're doing here. You know, who's teaching who? Right? Just, I'm learning so much from you. Hmm? This is my good fortune to come here and. and and your inquisitiveness and sincerity, and so it's very humbling. And I, I, and we say things that have never been said. Something we said before, or they're nuanced, or new things come out, and it's so rewarding. It's, so there's, without you, these things would not be possible. Hmm? Without me, this would not be possible. So Boda katayantas chamam nityam. They're always talking about me. They're always engaged in kata talking about me. It is said. Words cannot do justice to the absolute. Words cannot do justice. Some philosophers think, therefore, be silent. But the Gaudias, they think of that sutra in another way. There's not enough that can be said about God. Hmm? Words don't do justice, so we're always talking about. Hmm? Again, Gaudiya, this lineage, excels in post-liberated life. What is the nature of transcendence? What are the possibilities that lie? It posits a vari- variegatedness within transcendence. It doesn't compromise the unity. After all, we pine for unity, and as much as we get it, we pine for difference. Hmm? So both things. But we want a difference that won't compromise unity. The difference here compromises unity. You think it's hot, I think it's cold. We'll fight over whether to turn the heat up or turn the heat down. Hmm? Right? Hmm. So can there be a variety, a difference that does not compromise unity? Well, that's, that's impossible. They can be both at the same time. That, such contradictions are resolved in the absolute. This is Krishna. Hmm? This is the idea. Hmm? So they're always talking about him hmm? into the wee hours and tushanticha, ramanticha. They're talking about him as such. They get satisfaction. Satisfaction. Tushanti. Hmm? Dasyarati. Sakyarati. Vatsalyarati. Hmm? Tushanti. And Ramanti cha. Ramanti means romantic also. Hmm? They get romantic. Their romantic ambitions are satisfied in him. Then this verse comes. 
Kabiraj is citing. He's talking about them. Not somebody who kind of loves Krishna, and then Krishna gives him wisdom by which he can actually come to him and love him. No. These, he, the verses are talking about somebody who is absorbed in these ways in love of Krishna. And then it says Krishna gives them knowledge by which they can come to him. How can, that seems a contradiction. They're with him. Who could be with him more than such persons? Hmm? It, the Gaura charges are taken. This, this is the Gita speaking about the Brajlila, this kind of land, this dimension. Hmm? They're so in, in love with Krishna. The love is so extreme that the Godhead is forgetting that he's God. He thinks, I'm your friend, I'm your son. He's become, as I said, medium size. The one who is infinite and finite, the bigger than the biggest, small than the smallest, appearing outside. People hmm? think if he appears in the heart, that's yogic, that's mystical. We call that, that's Aishwarya. Brahma could not get so close. Hmm? These verses will come about Brahma, his Antardarsha. Krishna spoke to him. His experience was, it was as if he was standing there talking to him, but no one else could see that. It's Antardarsha. But in Golok, in Brajlila, there's no, there's no yoga. It's not inside. Their insides have come out entirely. It's a super uh, transcendental idea. That It's so transcendental that it looks ordinary. If you go far enough to the left, it'll start, or east, it'll start to turn west, something like that. It's take on so far, we call it aprakrita. Prakrita means the material world. Aprakrita Krishna Lila. It looks like the material world, but look close. What does Bhagavatam say? You know that verse. Hmm? Pay attention. Nityam Bhagavatam say by a. Bhagavatam recommends. If you want to understand this Brajlila, what the Bhagavatam is about, the love life of, of the Absolute, what a revolutionary idea, you have to pay close attention. Very close attention. You may miss it here. Hmm? You see the picture of Krishna. What is it about? Oh, Prabhupada said, do you think we are just worshipping a stone? Oh, reading all these books, that is our conclusion? Hmm? There's life there. Hmm? Hmm? So, in that Leela, those kind of devotees, hmm? gopis, those milkmaidens, for example, in particular, Shudamarsh gave a nice commentary to resolve the apparent the contradiction that he himself brings up. I mean, where is a person dwelling to, to draw that, you see, that kind of conclusion? This verse sounds like a contradiction. It needs to be resolved. Nobody's thinking that for thousands of years of commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? So who understands Krishna? Nobody flatters Krishna more than these Gaudiya people. Nobody has that right. Hmm. So he says, this means this. Oh, they come to him, they're with him, these gopis are with him, but there's a problem, right? Hmm? It's Kamanuga, it's Ramanti, Cha. Hmm? They're in that Leela, there are all kinds of relationships. There, there are parents, there are friends, there are assistants, there are wives, if there are, obviously, there are husbands. There are parents, hmm? it's just like the ordinary world, but very different, as I said, centered as it is on Bhagwan. Hmm? 
Everybody loves Krishna more than anybody else. The wives love Krishna more than the parent, than the fathers. Uh, then they love their husbands. The husbands love Krishna more than the wives. So no problem. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, see, they both have the same center. Is the idea? Hmm? This leela is variegated. It's variegated like the ripples of a pond. Hmm? If you have the placid, you know, pond is peaceful. You go there, just peaceful. But if you throw a stone in it, that's beautiful ripples also. But if you took a hundred stones and threw them over, your mind would be disturbed, perhaps. But if you took a thousand stones and threw them all in the same place, and all the ripples. So they have some unity that at the same time appears as a diversity. This is the idea. This is that bhakti-vritti again in the mind. So these... Gopis, they 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 are. Let's call them married. They're married to somebody, you know. All the young ladies get married, and all the young men. It's pretty much the norm in in the village. The monks are like somewhere else. They're weird people. They're different from everybody else. They go and live, you know, on some mountaintop up there. They have nothing to do with the real world. Hmm? Is the idea? So there, they're all they're all married people and. Um, here comes Krishna. And all the young ladies fall in love with Krishna. All these milkmaidens, they fall in love with Krishna. So naturally their parents want him to marry Krishna, but uh, but they, can they all marry him? That might be a problem. And his chart says he's going to go, go away at a young age. The astrological chart. Well, that'll be a problem for all of them. So better arrange that they, that they marry somebody else. Hmm? But their love for him is, is of another nature. It's transcendental. So in the Lilo course, as you know, then this parakya, they go, they leave their husbands, they meet Krishna in the dead of the night, and so forth. So this is a not a relationship that's allowed. It's called Kamanuga instead of Sambandhanuga. The other relationships, there is some, you know, you, Mother Yasoda should love Krishna because she's his mother. Sri Dham should love Krishna because friends should love one another. Gopi shouldn't love Krishna, <laughs> is the idea. Ahaituki apartihata, yatma subhasirati. Ahaituki apartihata. They shouldn't love Krishna. That makes them love him all the more. Cannot be interrupted. Hmm? Yeah, the social standards, they shouldn't do that. There's no place for that. But calm, therefore, out of calm. What happens when you do something just out of lust, out of desire, you do. You act inappropriately. They're acting inappropriately. But it's the most appropriate action, as it turns out. You see, love seeks to share itself, as I said, but it also finds out, oh, everybody doesn't appreciate it, so I have to conceal it. So people who love one another, they may have their own language, so to speak, the sign language that they talk to one another in front of others, and, 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 and so forth. they can't just come out and express themselves entirely. It won't be appreciated. The loves also, while seeking to share itself, and we talked about this the other day, some at length, it also seeks to, it has to withdraw and conceal itself. The Bhagavatam is concealing the highest love in its explanation of this gopi leela, and they're leaving their husbands to meet Krishna. It looks very selfish. The whole village will be lost, their reputation. Oh, the girls of that village, they're like that. They're like this. Hmm? So, so they risk that anyway. It looks very selfish on their part. Hmm? When this was told to the Raj, setting of the Bhagavatam, the sacred text, is the Raj, the king, the emperor, he's cursed to death in seven, to die in seven days. So he sits down on the bank of the Ganges and says, what should I do? 
what should I do? At, what's the most important thing to do in life? And what's the most important thing to do at the time of death? And so many people gather from so many different traditions to give advice. Hmm? And suddenly, out of the forest comes this naked, naked boy, 16 years old, Sukadev, just an adolescent. You get the idea. A naked 16-year-old boy. I mean, you know, adolescence is pretty wild. <laughs> 16, it's just starting to come out and so forth. There he is, hmm? naked. But he's oblivious to the world, anything in the world. And all the sages stand up and say, he should give us the answer. He has no attachment. He solved the death problem. Because death is only a problem as much as we're attached to things that we cannot keep. They knew. Oh, he solved the problem. He knows the answer. Give him the seat of esteem. And he was misunderstood by others. Kids were throwing things at him, thinking he was a bag man or something, you know. He was like oblivious to the external world. He spoke this beautiful Bhagavatam. He solved the death problem. And this is the story he told. You gotta pay attention. He told a story of young girls leaving their wives, leaving their husbands in the village to rendezvous with this with this young cowherd boy. Hmm? So if you study it very carefully and understand the text and with the help of good commentators so what you see, oh, this is the highest love hiding itself. When the Raj heard this, hmm, they died, obviously, in a lower sense, an ego death. They heard the flute of Krishna, they went. They didn't think. If they had stopped for a moment to think, a thousand and eight reasons would have come in their head why they shouldn't go. The milk would have boiled over on the stove, the children would not have been fed, the village would be upset, so many things. If they had stopped for a moment, no, they heard it and they went. We should try to hear like this. When you hear something and you know it's true, then you make it your life. Embrace that. Hmm? This is Sadhusanga. This is how we progress. I know that's true. I do that. I take that. Hmm? This is how to hear. Hmm? This is not some here intellectual exercise for gratifying, titillating our intellects. Hmm? But to change, we want to change. <coughs> they heard their name in the flute. And they didn't know that the girl next door was also hearing, and the girl next door was also hearing. They didn't wait for anybody else. We'll think, well, are you going? I don't know. You want to go to the temple? I don't know. Are you going to go? <laughs> Maybe a few of us. Okay, I feel you know, good about it. Let's go. No. They just went. Right? They just went into the forest. And then when they met others there, that's the kind of group you want, you see. This is the kind of group you want to be part of. Hmm? Who go like that. Whatever group they're in, ostensibly, this is the real group you want to be in. They went, Raj heard the whole thing, and then they danced with Krishna and so forth, and they consummated their relationship, he told, you know, they would meet later, and this and so on and so forth. And then Raj said, this is amazing, this whole thing. I mean, Krishna is like the object of the yogi's meditation, and, so, and here he's doing this. It's hard for me to put it all together. He said, how could these young, how could Krishna, the prince of Dharma, hmm, be consorting with others' wives. And Sukadev said wisely, he said, you don't understand. He said, Krishna is the husband of their husbands. <laughs> That's who Krishna is. He's the husband of their husbands as well. Hmm? Everyone is feminine, really, in comparison to him. He's the Purusha. We are all Prakriti. He's the maintainer. We are all maintained. Hmm? 
even those in the dress of the husband, they are actually his wives also. Hmm? He's, he, he, he's, so then he gives some philosophy, of course. He's just talking about it poetically and with ex- ecstasy. Hmm? Then he has to come down and speak about it philosophically, help the king digest this idea. Hmm? So here, the idea is, in the Leela, in the divine play, of course, in Leela, there's no wrong. If God steals, then what is that? Right? God owns everything. So if God steals, then what is it? We call it play only. So Krishna's a thief, but we're happy for that because thief doesn't care for high walls and locked doors. You go in your heart anyway, which is where we have high walls erected and locked doors. We're not just letting anything, Swami says, go in there. <laughs> no. No, but if he can just quiet your mind, then your heart opens up. So many things can go in. Hmm? That's what we try to do in these kind of settings. So, hmm? Hmm. Hmm. so he's a thief, hmm? but he owns everything. So he seems to be consorting with someone, but everyone's his consort. Everyone belongs to him. Every- this is play, this is Leela. Hmm? And in the Leela, in the context of the Leela then, how these gopis get to him, that Ami Buddhi Yogamtam, they're already in love with him, completely. They're completely overwhelmed with every, their, every thought is about him. Hmm? But how are they going to get to him? By the social setup in the Leela, they can't. It's not an appropriate relationship. So he has to give them he has to give them special wisdom. He plays on that flute, that wisdom, the fifth note. Hmm? He gives special, he moves his eyebrows in a certain way. There will be a rendezvous at this time. <laughs> That's what it means by, si- si- he's described as sidelong glances. Love has a language, as I said, of its own that only lovers can read. Only those with a sympathetic heart can can understand it. So they understand. Hmm? And they meet. Leela goes on like this in eternal days, day after day after day, and there's meeting, union and separation, union and separation, union and separation. Hmm? So this is the kind of buddhi yogam he gives to these kind of devotees. So we see, this is the kind of thing Kaviraj Goswami wants to say by putting this first here. Ostensibly, very on a very like simplistic level, he wants to say, you see, Krishna gives instructions from within the heart. He, 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 he's the original teacher. He gives Buddha yoga to his devotees. But he wants to say, this is the kind of thing that the Guru is interested in, wants to talk about to us. Hmm? And to understand that we have to pay close attention. So again, I said, I didn't want to talk too long, but I have. So I'll stop there. Yeah. Go Bhakti Vrinda Ki Go Premanande. Hare Hare